Kevin, um, before we get started today, I, I just want to say this. Now, you and I have been friends for a long time. Many, yes. Many years. Yeah, that's fair to many say. Many years. I would say that. Your Honor. Um, <laughs> bang, bang. Um, and and, and I, I think that there are a lot of... Um, I would commit. There's a lot to be commended about Kevin Newsom. Um, I, I don't. I, I think I like where this I, is going. I, I, th- I think that you're a great guy, smart guy, funny guy, but I've never, ever, ever really appreciated you more than I do right now. That we're sitting in heat rather than in Mark's garage with oh, the tiny Kevin fucking didn't heater. Make this happen. This, we yeah, are, this is well. Here, and, to, and to be fair, um, we are we are at Aviary on South Lamar. Where you should totally stop in sometime. That is not right now because they're closed and we're taping a show in here. But uh, but it was my friend Marco who who owns and operates Aviary. That um, that actually I was I was mentioning to our special guest who I'll let you introduce. Uh, that the last time that we recorded, the only other time we've ever recorded in here was slippery when wet. That's true. So I can only pray that. This goes better. Nothing <laughs> will ever go better than slippery. <laughs> Ryan's got a scowl on his face. That no, I, I just I, I have bad dreams about uh, that record. Uh, like, there's there's no way this couldn't be better than Slippery When Wet because it is in fact a much better record. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a minute tonight. Our guest is Chris Cox. Um, who some of you, most of you should know this. Uh, this this podcast is hosted on a website, oneofus.net, and Chris started this website. Um, Chris, hello. Hello. It's uh, really good to be here. I know. We've been trying to do this for a while, and it's finally <laughs> happening. They, you, I, I'm telling you, like all it, there's, no, there's nothing superlative involved with what I just said about Kevin. You, if you had sat in the garage with us on, on many like, cold nights and we sweated in there too like we did the summer we did august and then we did this time of yeah year, we gotta so. figure some shit out this this year when we get to summer anyway hey okay, a lot, lot of feel any better we're actually looking into the possibility of within the next year getting a permanent studio in town that everyone who records for us can just go there well, that's, a, go that's a nice yeah, idea it'll yeah. all be yeah. set up very good idea we'll, yeah, we'll just we'll it could cut, happen insert the laugh track we're working on it. track we'll cut a uh, we'll cut a hole in the roof so it'll be like one of either Kevin or Mark's Kevin garage, because right? they both have holes in their uh, <laughs> garage roofs. Yeah, yeah, let's hey, let's let's get into this. Let's play some theme music. Mark, can you do that for us? And we'll come back and talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. Kevin here. I'm Chris. <laughs> this is somebody who likes it. Okay, so I, I, I teased this a little bit before, so our, our guest tonight is Chris Cox. Chris? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions for me? I do. Have yes. Well, why don't you tell us a little I, bit? I, so most of the people, I'm sure, like, they're, they're listening to this podcast through the site, of course, but um, for, for some listeners that might, might be newbies, like, why don't you talk a little bit, just tell us a little bit about oneofus.net. Well, I do, uh, 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 on the spot, I never think about that fucking site. All right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one, never. one of us.net, I describe now as a podcast network. Ooh, that's yeah, a new term. Cool. That's hey, the rounds. I own a podcast network. That's right. Thank you very much. A pod work. Holy shit. Let me write that down. I think he Breaking. coined that. <laughs> this just in. 
uh, you guys were uh, way ahead of a lot of the other shows that have like we've added like some like seven shows yeah, since you guys a, came a lot on. Of that come on, yeah. Yeah, uh, I Shane and I had a long discussion one night at the Nomad Bar. Were there beers involved? There was a lot of beers involved. And then we had another discussion just like it, and then another one. And I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. And then he did it. And and here you guys are. And I couldn't be happier. You all have evolved over time. You've gotten your like your your whole thing down and your banter. You turned into a really excellent show. Oh, thanks, man. It was the well, banter, really, that we and, needed to work on. And, and if you're wondering, the payments will continue. So, so, so thank you. Yeah, so, I just saw Kevin slipping a little, little do-re-me under the table. Nothing like again, a little like, grift between yeah. friends. Hey, you know what? And thank you again for just looking out for the show. I mean, you're going oh, to sure. keep on coming tonight. No, clearly I made a money. Um, so <laughs> clearly, so clearly. we we so this is the part where like we usually like to talk, and I just want I want to say a couple of things real quick, where we're t- we'll talk about some like musical current events, but all this like really big shit has been happening lately, where there's been like music has been tangentially connected. So like last week we talked about fucking Kanye on Saturday night like, SNL forty, and we talked about Katy Perry. Now I want to talk about the Oscars, which happened last night again. Shane saw a very pretty girl. Apparently. I did, and and, and hold so, on, I don't want to interrupt you. The Oscars are great and all, but the Golden Globes is the greatest ca- award ceremony of all no, time. Oh no, 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 you are, you're absolutely right, hundred percent right. I had never watched the Golden Globes until uh, this year's broadcast. Like, watched the whole thing, and I'm like halfway through Skyler, and I got fucking wasted when we were watching the Golden Globes. I'm like, this is so much more fun than the Oscars. Well, I, th- like, I think the, the Golden Globes they get wasted. Yeah, they do. Oh no! They oh, do. Yeah, without a doubt, that is exactly the point. It's, and they let their guards drinks down. during yeah. the thing. You don't. Yeah. There are no tables at the Oscars. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. You, although, yeah, although point. you do, there was a, apparently a shot at one point where Benedict, this year Benedict Cumberbatch was drinking, drinking from a flask. A, I saw that, which yeah. I totally would have been doing if I was at the Oscars. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, so but one one of the things I wanted to, and I don't want to belabor the uh, discussion or a brief discussion of the Oscars, but one of the things I wanted to just mention that I noticed is the reason I want to talk about the Oscars. Is the same reason Ryan wanted to talk about the Super Bowl, and the, um, okay, that's fair enough. And, and, and like, <laughs> I was like, going to make fun of you, but no, you're totally right. And, and that is like anytime we we've been talking about these big events, like we music is tangentially related, but really what we want to talk about Shane saw a pretty girl, our hot girls on these broadcasts. <laughs> and so last night I was texting Ryan. I was like, "What do you do? Are you watching the Oscars?" He's like, "No, I'm at work." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I just saw this incredibly." Anyway, her. I'm going to show you a picture right now. Oh, well, she's swell. <laughs> <laughs> Did I lie? No, you were correct. So who is this girl? Rita Ora. She sang a song last night. So I was What she, song? Um I was loaded by that point. <laughs> and number one, I wasn't paying attention Does it matter? to anything that came out of her mouth. I'm glad to see you do your research. It was my heart will go on. <laughs> she was all yeah, let's just say it was um um uh Miss Misery. Um so uh no, it, she she had the trifecta, the the black, British, and beautiful, but she had a fourth one. Yeah, that, you wrote me about that, and I was like, like I don't know how to fill like, put Paradu that together. But no, was no, the one you, that talked about the triple Bs when we had uh, um, Corinne Bailey Ray, and he was like, oh yeah, she's a triple B, black, beautiful, and British. Well, this woman, yeah, Phil talks like that though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's, well, she's blonde also, so this is a quadruple. B. Quadruple B, yeah. I, feel I don't like know. There's a whole she new been on the Astros of the, the late nineties, maybe, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> 
grateful. Okay, I have no idea what that song is. I promise you, I looked up for whatever I was doing because the song sounded good. And then for the next however many minutes she performed, I didn't hear anything that came out of her mouth. It was actually a weird She's year. Stunningly beautiful. It was a weird year at the Oscars in the sense that the songs were actually kind of entertaining this year like glory Dude. from from selma first off had everyone in the audience streaming tears down yeah, their face like, like chris I was Pine, like jesus christ that, that looked like that was from central casting <laughs> right. but you you know yeah it kind of you know that either somebody either it hit a nerve or yeah they were dredging up some some actorly tears when fucking chris pine aka captain kirk uh, they like ling- there's a lingering shot on him with like tears streaming down. But you know what so- my theory is on that? <laughs> my theory is that after you learn how to cry on cue, that it becomes like it's like super it's like an itchy trigger finger situation. No, 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 it's, it's like, like the wrong thing could set you off, and your eyes just start spewing. It's tears, like breaking like- the seal. It's like once you pee once, <laughs> yeah. At the party, then yeah. The now you're the guy that cries all the time. You guys live in a real Twilight Zoney perception of the world, don't you? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I dropped oh, yeah, my glasses. <laughs> like, hold, hold on, Mark. Mark, why don't you just say what, explain what you're holding up right now? Uh, well, I, I did a quick search for uh, for this this girl that you were enamored by, and uh, they said that she went uh, underwearless at uh, the Oscars post party. Good God! Uh, and so there's a picture of her here, and she's tattooed. I mean, Ryan, uh, do you understand why I texted you now? She, she's she, really she is hot. a very pretty lady. <laughs> um, yeah, that's ridiculously hot. Like, is not all, all, all of the levity much. has, like, tamped. Once Mark <laughs> produced that picture, like, everybody's, like, being so like, blah, 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 blah. Now they're all, like, it's all reverent and mm. hushed tone. <laughs> pretty. Uh, but yeah. say, Everything is Awesome was amazing, that, that performance they did on that. And that goes to show when Disney throws their money down. Well, but, Lady you know. Gaga was a fucking knocked it out of the park. Well, I mean... One uh, of the, go you go. No 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 no. Please. One of the things that uh, that we chatted about for a minute before we started taping was that um, both Chris and I ran into a very similar situation, which was we didn't recognize who Lady Gaga was without the meat dress. Yeah, no idea. And so here's this ingenue uh, singing Sound of Music, and I was like, well, she's clearly very talented, but she's in a room of very talented people, and I don't know who the hell that is. And and literally, my wife was like. Um, that's Lady Gaga, like Stephanie. Yeah, pretty much exactly that way. I, mean, I thought like that shock there was from a lot of people who who didn't see her performance during the Grammys, which was very apparently like sedate with Tony Bennett. And was it people were like really from Lady Gaga and this coming out all class? People were still like, wait a minute, what's happening here? And I, you know, yes, she was great. But I was disappointed. I wanted to see her come out like riding a unicorn and with UFOs attacking her and stuff. I just I was. <laughs> I, I want to see anybody the... come out riding a unicorn with UFOs <laughs> attacking, attacking them. Yes. Yeah. Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, Ryan, when you weren't around, and that is like Lady Gaga's continuing to grow as a performer. At some point, you reach a you. In my opinion, like you, you get to a point where the meat dresses. You just have to keep piling on and piling on and piling on. And I think it's fucking. Like it's such a it's not a step back for her being more sedate, at least in what she's wearing um, in Maybe the kind of music that she's singing. She's taken a, a like a sideways step and it's very interesting. And I think it's it's a it's a forward movement. Yeah. In no, my mind. No, no. I think I, I think maybe this is her new shocking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. my point. Like, yeah. It was shocking that well, she was not doing something shocking. Dress, really. It was. Yeah. Like, she was wearing. This, that's true. It was amazing. Her 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 vocal range was was. Ridiculous! Um, I was so blown away by her performance, but also we didn't talk about the fact that she's wearing this like really angelic 
white sequin dress with red rubber dishwashing gloves. <laughs> like that looked like Robin, like the kind of gloves that like Robin on ba- like in the Batman comics wear or something. Like it would stick out to the side a little bit. You know why are you cl- casting a dubious? Dude, you didn't watch. I didn't this, see I know. the thing. I was waiting tables. Here's, That's why I'm trying um, to let you. I'm yeah, trying no, to tell I, you I appreciate this it. You're you're painting a, a great picture for Thank me. Thank you. Okay. Well, here's the other thing, thing that credit one one you. thing that I did not actually picked up pick up on in the immediate that was pointed out to me later in the evening was that with those songs and the Oscars. They tend to uh, show. They tend to like have the performance closest to the actual award giving away that that is the one that's going to win. And I don't know if that's always been that way, but I mean, certainly the way that it turned out last night. Um, I was a big fan. I I really get a kick out of the movie Begin Again, and they, I did too. And yeah. they they ran that one very early. That was the one that was. Um, uh, who's the dude from the New Radicals that we uh, that we did? Uh, Oh, the guy who dances in malls, with the yes. fisherman. Yeah, yeah, but that guy, yeah. that, that that's the guy, guy that wrote the that wrote the hit song from that from that movie. And that's another one that um, maybe if we ever do a movie thing, that at some point down the road, right. it'd be a fun one to cover. I actually I love uh, getting in, but I thought uh, once, which is the same director and writer. Sure, sure. Like I was like, there's a, the, when I was watching beginning, I was like, man, these guys are totally ripping off once. Yeah. <laughs> I had no that's idea it was funny. the same guy. Well, but that, all the songs are great in both movies, so you know. And that Judd Apatow was involved. In, like, yeah, yeah, it's just weird. But anyway, <laughs> but that was that was very early, and I thought there were a couple of instances. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, there are a couple of instances where they put individual singers on stage, and Adam Levine happened to be the one, and like that, he just seemed like frankly a little overwhelmed by the moment, and they were early in the thing, and it was kind of fun to see that dude rattled. He's uh, like, he's still he was there entirely because he has convinced his agent that he has a chance of being taken seriously as an actor. Yeah, uh, I don't think the rest of the world is convinced. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say real quick um, that. Um, I'm watching Ryan almost fall asleep. So <laughs> I'm not falling asleep. We probably I'm, need to get I'm all to, here. I do think we need to probably push to on to the matter forward. at hand. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the, the task at hand this evening is um, Sonic Youth Goo. Sonic Youth Goo, which, well, all in due time. But Chris, this you picked this album this week, and why don't you... Just fill us in a little bit about how you feel about it. Well, uh, let me start off by saying I had I was like like post my interest in post punk started with Daydream Nation, where this friend of mine who I was kind of become my guru was like throwing me stuff like Decroits in and things like that. It's like check this out, check this out. It's like okay, uh, and he threw me Sonic Youth Daydream Nation. And I went, I don't understand this album at all. It really took me three, four months before I finally was like, wait a minute, I get it. I'm so fucking crazy about it. It was goo? No, no. First Daydream Nation. It was really like, it felt, you know, almost anarchistic in the way that it was structured. I didn't understand it. And finally coming around to it, which seems so quaint and, you know, by nowadays standards. But for back then, it really was like, wow, I'd never heard anything like this. And then go on a couple of years. How do we follow that up? There was a big problem with Daydream Nation because uh, the label had lots of issues. Uh, I believe it was Enigma. And they kind of buried the distribution. It didn't get a lot of distribution. And they were fighting for it. It was hard to find a copy in record stores. So they left Enigma and went to the first major record label, which was uh, Alphaset of D- uh, Geffen DGC. Records, yeah. DG- DGC. We're like, okay, we know we're going to get distribution. And presumably there was some amount of consciousness like – 
we're going to have to make a slightly more accessible record than it was we've the been beginning doing. Of a five record deal, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it was certainly like the most consciously like we need to at least have a song that's plausible. It could be a radio hit on this album. Uh, but that being said, I think they still managed to make an album. What, what, whereas in comparison to Daydream Nation, it is not the masterpiece that that album is. But it was startling that a band who so really in many ways drastically toned down their signature sound and, and, and made it a little more accessible made such a phenomenal album. All but maybe two songs on this record, which are the prerequisite Sonic Youth, This Is Just Noise Dirges uh, songs on it. <laughs> uh, I'm curious what you think those were because we were so, talking a little bit before the so show. It's like, Mildred Pierce and Scooter and Jenks. So, the, that's, yeah. so Mildred, Mildred Pierce is... is my second favorite song on this record. It's int- <laughs> it's, but but I don't I I didn't I, so I didn't come from a place where um like for some I was thinking about this Ryan when uh when I when I was listening to this album I was like you know for two dudes that probably saw ten thousand indie rock shows together in the nineties many, many in a row many, many shows many in a row in a well, row that's why he yeah. looks as tired yeah, as he looks no, right Shane now. and I would get uh, wristbands to South by when they were like I don't know twenty five or thirty 25 bucks. bucks yeah and we'd like just go see everything band and we could band. get into every show just walk right up yeah. and uh, those days are gone yeah. well, not just Long that gone. but also like both of us were working like we were working day jobs that we had to get up relatively early and um, stay up till two you would crash on my couch and get up and go into work at eight and like your I remember one time your boss was like uh you smell like liquor and you like told me that she said that and she was like if you smell like liquor again then i'm gonna fire you we were supposed to go see a show that night like sin cola or something and i was like just eat some altoids you're like oh yeah i never thought about that <laughs> and then you never had any more problems after that yeah i wasn't all that bright yeah it turns no. out. good lord yeah. sin cola so, <clears throat> yeah i know um, so but for, for two guys that that that's all that witnessed a lot of indie rock together we we really haven't done a show yet with an indie rock featuring an indie rock album. I mean, like well, we, we did Yola Tango. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty definitive Yola. Well, did, well like, I mean, uh, indie rock band. True, true. But I, I mean, what what I mean, and uh, you know, Ty Siegel is sort of like a like a modern, more of a modern indie rock musician. But what I guess what I mean is like a noisier rock band. I mean, Yola Tango definitely has its noisy moments. Like, mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely. But that's. But I'm in terms like, of like rock and roll, indie, yeah, right, like uh, like you know. noise, noisy rock and roll. So I I never really um, I never really warmed up to Sonic Youth, not because I don't like their stuff, and not because I don't like noise, because I do. It's just it. There's a lot of noise without a lot of variation sometimes, and so like that I've heard. They've got a, a very definitive sound. Like when you hear Sonic Youth, you know it's Sonic Youth. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, I like it, and I like this record, but I didn't like this record as much as I like Daydream Nation. And I think it was because of. And normally, I'm a pop pop songwriting guy. This is three, true. Three minute long songs. You know. <laughs> Are you sure? I yes. But you're right. I mean, Daydream Nation is the better record. I just think that this is kind of a masterpiece in its own way because it was that concession to try and be to smooth things out a bit and it still is a phenomenal rock. Well, record. it's okay. So like the they threw down the gauntlet uh with cool thing. I think it was their That was like, their their pop radio. Yeah, hit. that was yeah. like the, here's where here we go. Kids, we're to take over the top 40. Uh and <laughs> and it did chart. 
did it? Yeah, it charted. I, I mean, it's it. the only song I knew before. Probably at, like, it's position 705, yeah. but, you know. Well, I also couldn't figure out, like, I knew that I knew I knew that song, but I also couldn't figure out if it were that song or the multitudes of songs that that song spawned. There were there were actually three singles off that album. No, I, no, 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 but what yeah. I'm saying is that there were other, I mean, that, that song oh, yeah. essentially is a Nirvana song. I mean, if you... Well, and the, you said the N-word that we're going to get into... Uh, the N word that you can yeah. actually say the whole well rest of it. Yes, Nirvana, uh, and it's impossible to listen to this record without thinking about Nirvana. But and it I was do all think, at that same time. I do think the, we should go in and hear a little bit of Cool Thing, and then we can come back out. And I think that's a great idea. Why don't we yeah. do that, Mark? Can you hook us up with that? Chuck D parts when they pop up. Oh man! Well, I just think it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> oh no, he doesn't belong is. in that song. I love Public well, Enemy no, so much. And he literally did not belong in that song. You know what happened, right? No, they were all right. They shared a producer who was doing double time in the studio that day, like overseeing Sonic Youth and overseeing Public Enemy, who were recording in the studio right next door, and. He mentioned to them, he, like Sonic Youth, yeah, I'm recording Public Enemy too. I got to run back and forth, and uh, they were like, "Oh, we would love to meet those guys. Can you come over?" And Chuck D came over and was like, "I'm a huge fan of you guys. Like, you want to be on a track?" Yeah, well, it, it's. I mean, you know, you've got this like sort of uh, like left left field, like freaky art rock noise piece, and then it's like word up. It's like go ahead. It's like the it's like it's like the omnipresent voice of a hip hop god that just pops in <laughs> out of the sky. That's a really good way to put it. Thank <laughs> but, you. But making making you know a song that is like to like not really about female empowerment altogether other than the fact that Kim Deal is actually singing like, hey, for cool once. Thing. Are you um, going to save us from the white male like, corporate uh, oppressors? And he's like, yo. Uh, <laughs> Word like, up. Yeah. I'll talk to my lawyer and get back to you. Well, <laughs> but but like it was nice to see. It was a, it was kind of a big moment in music at that point that here was this guy who was like Definitely the king of rap music at that point, acknowledging that the the female struggle was just as important at that point. As John Lennon said, "Woman are the nigger is the nigger of the world." John Lennon did say that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think the rest of us are allowed to say that word anymore. Yeah. You can only say it in the context of a song uh, title. Uh, yeah, in, in yeah. quotes. Yeah, yes. I'll say, "Woman is the Nirvana of the world." <laughs> there you go. I, I like to. The think other N word. Yeah, that the will other occur word. through this. 
podcast. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> this, I like to think of the song as the um, as the radio song of the uh, well. It was it was it was the one that, world. It, it was the one that was on the 120 minutes uh, compilation, which is how no, I no, no you you you're not understanding what I'm saying. Oh, radio, radio song, song by by, by REM. No, RS one. I actually think baby, that, baby, baby, baby. Well, no, and I think REM like heard this and was like, oh, we can do that too. DJs communicate to the masses. Yeah, sex and I, I classes. do. I actually think this. That uh, cool thing is more successful at their stab at this than REM was. It's Agreed. so much of a better song that they don't even deserve to be put in the same conversation, which is why I just put them in the same conversation. Hey, thanks for that. And, and even though this geni- is... I have Flashes of Genius, dude. I mean, flashes of Genius. It's Shane Flashes of Genius Bartell. <laughs> is that going to be the, the title? Occasional of Genius. <laughs> Shane Bartell. Flashes sorry. of Genius, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Mar just re- reminded me of Kevin's. Kevin just coined a new term last broadcast, which was, a f- it's like a fist against the moon of a teenage. Teen- yeah, what yeah. was that? Like what it did was. You say? It was a- off the cuff, and it was. Is it the genius? Fist, is the fist against the moon of a teenager, which is uh, fist against is, the moon I of a teenager? I explained it last week. It like yeah, I like, can listen to the last podcast. Is that, it just needs to be on a plaque somewhere. It sounds right? like underage teenage fisting is what that sounds well, like. Well. Yeah. Hopefully, there's not. a rabbit hole we don't want to go down. <laughs> hey, wait! Let's talk for the rest of the show about this new thing that you've just proposed, Chris. Hey, you um, you had something you wanted to read about this record, Kevin? Well, no, I, I think there are a few things that are pretty interesting about it. Um, I will, le- and I can't believe that we're this far in the podcast, and I've never, I've not once mentioned. So, I think. This is one area, Shane, where you and I are probably a little bit simpatico. Like I, um, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I haven't, I have not bonded with Sonic Youth. I will say that I like. I think that some at sometimes, and I, like I have, there are there are bands that are in the same genre of the same time period who I have grown to really uh, appreciate, and Sonic, and maybe it's just the. It feels to me like a combination of the New York thing and taking pains to be dissonant. Like, it's like, and I don't know if it's just because, like, I have a pop sensibility on that stuff, too. And, and like, anyway, there are, and the funny thing is, like, so you read, you read the reviews, some of the reviews that were written about this record. David Fricky from Rolling Stone wrote a piece that it was, like, essentially, like, the first line of it is, Oh my God! It sounds like they're doing this on purpose. Like that was essentially like his take on it was that he was, and but they were all like clearly, all of the music critics had pushed their chips to the middle of the table on this band, and they were like, "We love what these guys are about." When anyway, I like it was like there's a there's a dissonance there that you have to sort of wade through to get to the. Whatever, the Tootsie Roll pop in the middle. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's even necessarily completely true. I know what you're saying, and it certainly comes, you're coming at it from the outside in that way. I think that, like, when they were, when you actually, when you read stuff Thurston, especially Lee Ronaldo, who I think is the heart of that entire band, really, sure. uh, like, has to say about, like, why they were doing this in the first place, it's kind of like, the idea that, like, 
you know, it's the way like different cultures have different tone structures that appeal to them and they don't appeal to others because you get used to them and they build. And the idea that dissonance in and of itself can be just as pleasant and appealing as something that, as we think of as more traditional tone structures. And I think Sonic Youth, if anything, and Yellow Tango as well in a big way, really mm-hmm. proved that, yes, that is going to be true for some people. <laughs> but it's also the sound of slack. Which is like in, like it's intentionally like it's intentionally structured, or at least it sounds like, to to w- at least one set of ears, like it's sort of intent. It's intended to sound like it's well, it's intentionally avant, out. like yeah, like it's sure, trying sure. to be oh, no not question. pop. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think that there's anything wrong with that. My, my I mean, I, I I like noisiness. I like I don't love like we talked about this last week when when we were all when we uh, uh, reviewed the Modern Lovers record um there's just a point in the middle of almost all those songs where the dissonant solos go on a little bit too long i mean there's a point where for me and my taste where it starts to get a little much but the thing about sonic youth that i wanted to I, I wanted to touch on kind of what you were saying in that um it's the it's the critics that make them into a serious band it's like the noisiness of the band right. make them into a serious band and that put kind of puts it in my head and i think Likewise, in, in your head, sure. is treating them a little less seriously because of the reverence that they're treating. Not to say they're not a great band, because right. they are a great band, and they're a groundbreaking band. But, because but you get sick of the reverence. Well, it's, it's the reverence, yeah. What, why, is, why is it... Okay? Well, it's like you'd hang this record in a galley or a gallery or something. You know, like, I, I'm pretty it's sure... A that, way to put it. In fact, the, the album cover of this was based on a Raymond Pettibone painting that did indeed... Hanging gallery, gallery. yes. Uh, uh, that, yeah, it's that's a great. There, there. It's one of those. Um, I'm not gonna say this record. This record in particular, I, I feel it, it. I can see reading some of the reviews, and they're talking about how it's it's more of an accessible record. However, I think some of the songs that are that are geared, um, the accessibility of some of the songs kind of takes down the originality and the and the and the listenability, at least in my ear, down a couple of pegs. Like we're gonna we're gonna listen to. Tunic in a minute, which you that was like, the one I was. I was hoping Tunic to song, song yeah. for Karen. That uh, that is my favorite song on this album, and that's my least favorite song on this album. I like. I think that the well, that the, clearly Chris is right, and you are wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> clearly, yeah. I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, well, that's why, that's why yeah. I put you guys let's, together. Tonight, let's team so. up again, Shane, for the rest <laughs> of the podcast. Right. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! I'm going to take the fucking jerky. That's what's causing so much. <laughs> Dude, so you're much. a vegetarian. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat your fucking jerky. I just want to. You broke bread. In the form of meat, dried meat, and now you're just going to gang up with me for the next. Kevin, yeah. So Shane, you mentioned that uh, that I had a little something that I wanted to share. This is another one of these records that you know we've talked off and on on this podcast about how um, some online magazines, we'll call this one Pitchfork, tend to tend, <laughs> tend we'll make to, that up. Is that air quotes? Yes, Pitchfork. Quotes, we'll yes. call it uh, italics. More or less pitch, Pitchfork. Exactly. I'm not going to say the name, but it rhymes with bitch mork. <laughs> it's Pitchfork or pitch. Anyway, so these dork. guys, you know, this is another one of these where it's like these records find um, critical success, and then after they've been out for a while, it's like, hey, let's go back and re-review this, and they always get stellar reviews. It's amazing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, thirty years after the fact, <laughs> right? Exactly. We're just gonna pick a couple ones that had pretty g- amazing reviews well, before. And, and this, you know, let's be honest, this record predates the internet. So, or like not the ARPANET, but the you know the sure. popular version of the, the, the World Wide Web. Exactly. So anyway, without I won't go into the the, the the whole thing here, but part of what gets shared in this pitchfork send up 
Uh, they gave it an eight five. So showing restraint. And this was the I, I think I saw. I think I saw this was the, was the review of the re-release with the endless amount of demo tracks. Uh, right. Good. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Seriously. Like. Yeah. There's lots and lots of subtext. I won't go through all of it, but um, I'll just read an excerpt here that uh, they. They talk a little bit about um, Brian Coley, who is a story they they term as a storied zinester, come storied music critic, and a renowned this part uh, first letter in all caps friend of Thurston. Uh, <laughs> I laughed at that too. <laughs> and, and then they and then they also uh, fold in fold in something that was written by their A and R guy, and so like you know you can sort of add up the dominoes here. But anyway, the interesting this is what Coley. Byron Coley had to say, uh, some longtime fans were already croaking that the band was was moving in a raucist direction, leaving behind the avant uh, noise roots that had marked their early history. Of course, this was a kind of happy horseshit. Sonic Youth had been rocking the fuck out of uh, from the get go. They were doing it just in a language that most people didn't understand. And I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. And I don't disagree with it either. But it you know, but I just, to me that I guess, some people would cry sellout for like this record, right? Right. Which, well, and that's the thing is like okay, so it's in a, in a language that most people don't understand. You know, this was at that, the t- is that better? This was like, at the time when people were first starting to yell sell out at bands though for doing stuff. You know, yeah, this I, is around then. Like, oh, these the whole like I don't think like classic rock fans looked at like when Led Zeppelin Physical Graffiti came out. They were like fucking sell out. I don't think it really was until indie rock and punk that people were like oh shit they toned down their oh, sound a they signed to a major label it must be fucking sellouts <laughs> man yeah i was, I was reading assholes. Uh, a little ex- excerpt from kim gordon's book which is coming out tomorrow oh, and yeah, we were about that. and she points out that like at any point along sonic youth's career like even after their first album there were these people that would come out and say oh they're selling out because <laughs> it wasn't what the previous album was to them. Oh, you know? and every album and was really different. I think that's, I think that's common, yeah. you know, for any band that's that's doing groundbreaking stuff. Well, you listen to the first two or three Sonic Youth albums, they pretty much invented noise rock, pretty much. And it's noise rock, their first. I mean, it's noisy. The first EP is well, I've all never, but I've never heard Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, but I'm under, I no, understand no. that that's some noisy no, shit. No, but even he didn't consider that serious that was that was a, a contractual was a obligation album label, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah that was not he did not take that seriously but um yeah it's they uh, in in terms of like yeah they were speaking a different language they were they were trying to do something that they did not think they were going to get a huge amount of fans for they were doing it because they were well, as fucking I into they, it. they played for a couple years in new york where like almost nobody came to their shows no huh? like they were really underappreciated and then finally like you know they hit the zeitgeist and and people started coming out as opposed to somebody like the strokes who like you know were playing out well, for the strokes like, were on the on the backs of bands like i mean and not to not to take away anything from the strokes i mean that's yeah but they had they, they had like brilliant. overnight success because of the of people like Sonic Youth, right, although right. I and liar. Although I did have a lot of fun with the "is this shit" jokes going on at the time. <laughs> is this shit? Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, we gotta let's listen to um, Tunic. Yeah, let's listen to Tunic, and then um, we're gonna get to an intermission shortly. So uh, yeah, Tunic. do it, play that.
Back into the jerky and the whiskey. Hey, it's the whiskey over here. I just got in the morning there. zoo. Thank you. <laughs> I feel yeah, like that happens about once a show. Yeah, we're having Does it? we're yeah. having a little retard we're moment over down. here. Well, we just we just decided <laughs> like if if Ryan we were talking about how so Chris hasn't done the show before and um and Mark and Kat, so again um we are recording at Aviary, which is a wine bar here in Austin, and it's right next door to this amazing. Imported beer store, witchcraft, and uh, it's so, a it's a beer nerd store. It is, much. and so is. but because we we acknowledge that it's a beer nerd store, we acknowledge and all of us acknowledge this, including the two beer nerds, beer nerds that Kevin and, and Mark are beer nerds. Which is there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, we're just stating the obvious. And so I'm I'm a beer nerd too. I'm not. Uh, we all yeah. are, but but <laughs> we were acknowledging that we, there's class on one side of the table. There's class on one side of the table. Kevin and, and Mark, there's whiskey and jerky. And on there's the other. whiskey and jerky <laughs> on the other side. And Ryan had, had posited that if we were to have a morning zoo show, it'd be like it's whiskey and the jerky. It's the whiskey and the jerky <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> not that we. It wouldn't be in the morning though. You realize this? Like it would be like. <laughs> Twelve ten. Well, we like, we they could play it in the morning. We just have to tape it another tape it time. The day before. Well, you know, we do. We actually do a morning show for subscribers called the Breakfast Pub. That is like filmed early in the day, where we just go ahead and start drinking. <laughs> wrong with that. I think that Ryan and I should yeah. participate in that show. Well, the only problem if you guys did that show, you couldn't take any callers. It'd be like. This this show was previously recorded seven hours ago, so yeah. please don't call. Yeah, these guys but are no, dead no, no, asleep we, right we, now. We'd have to have people submit questions online, and then we'd oh, read sure. them. Whiskey yeah. and Jerky is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> people that are already asleep. It would asleep. be the whiskey yeah. and the jerky. <laughs> but, okay. So, uh, but before we... Uh, it says before, whiskey and the jerk. Yeah. Okay. Sounds more like a 70s cop film there. It kind of does. <laughs> it's a good 70s um, cop film. Yeah. Before we circle back into the record, I did just want to say uh, thanks to our friends at witchcraft uh they came by and brought us some cool stuff that they had been pouring this week and uh and they didn't ask for it but i uh mentioned that we'd give them a little love on the yeah they have a lot of really good beer which we consumed a lot of for free that they brought by that is very very nice of them here's hoping it helps kevin (laughs) again you just i just can't speak highly enough of you well here's the thing shane I sweated you out in my garage for weeks on end. Then we got, then it got cold. Then I made sure that there are little screaming people that so you wouldn't want to come over at all. Then we had to go over to Mark's. We did that for a while, and then uh, now, you know, now we're doing something else. At least for one night, we're we're sitting in heat. Hey, yeah, this is beer. a classy joint, you guys. Can, can I kind of rein this in for Told a minute? Uh, yeah. We did just listen to Tunic, uh, <laughs> yes. Karen. Uh, from Sonic Youth. Why don't people wear more tunics? By the way, like that's like, I'd like to see people looking like they just went to a toga party. Some or, places they do. Well, yeah, it's called yeah, the yeah, fraternity. It's Probably, called the Renaissance Festival. Yeah. Okay, and, same but thing. Anyway, but talk about the song, Ryan. What was your take on? Uh, I think it's a great song. Uh, like you know, it, it, it meanders uh, for sure, but it's expansive and 
you know, it's about Karen Carpenter, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like, you know, the Carpenters were about as sedate a pop band as you can get. You can't yeah. get a band more different than Sonic Youth as yeah. the Carpenters. Right. But and for some they... reason, uh, Kim Gordon, like, you know, felt an affinity Big fan. for Karen Carpenter and wrote a song for her. Had they been more sedate, they would either be sleeping or in Karen Carpenter's uh, current state. So, <laughs> <laughs> like dead? Like, Meaning no, no longer alive. So yeah, for so those who don't know, Karen Carpenter had anorexia and died of a heart attack due to said condition. But she uh, was also a drummer, which is pretty badass. If you think about it, there's woman not a that lot of like, slight, yeah, yeah there's not a lot of like, like pop drummers in the world. What do we got? Uh, uh, Phil Collins. Chile, Phil Collins. Yes, yeah. of course. Thank you. <laughs> pop drummer. Yeah. Have you heard him? That, that whole, <laughs> I can feel it. No. Oh, uh, you're just gonna. I'm sorry. It, it popped in my head. Now I have to say it. Um, what has nine arms and sucks? Oh. Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. Oh, for me, I'm just gonna say personally why I love the song so much. And I didn't initially. This was not my favorite song of this album because I hadn't really gone back and listened to Evil yet. Which, which in retrospect, looking back at all their albums, like it's right up there with Daydream Nation. Like, oh, it's so good. But this is the song on this album that's the most like what they were doing on Evil, which is sort of haunting, a little bit creepy. It's very sonorous with sort of it sounds of bells and and uh, uh, the way that Ronaldo strings his uh, plays his guitar, it just it, it's it's just kind of haunting. Well, and I'm not it's terribly a, surprised that Shane's not crazy about it because it doesn't really get to the point. But that's kind of not the point. No, 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 I don't mind it. No, it gets to a point too quick. It just it, in the beginning, like it actually gets more and more interesting as the song goes on. Just in the beginning of it, it's just kind of a second rate rock song from 1990. I mean, for me, like the way that the song is structured, it's just not that good of a. It's just, I mean, you're allowed to think that. <laughs> and I do think that one hey. of the things I do think that one of the things that we run into when we listen to records that are that are dated is that we and all uh, I will say among the three of us who have been doing this this particular podcast the longest, like when we say things are of their time, it's typically a little bit dismissive. Like, I've got a note on here that says uh, uh, definitely an album of its time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, like, well, here's the deal. When I listened to this, I could not stop thinking about Nirvana and how if you like, like Nirvana was almost inevitable. If you take, you know, the prominence of Sonic Youth at the time and just add in the Beatles, you get Nirvana. Like, you know, you throw in like this Sonic Assault and put in some pop craftsmanship you get nirvana that's that's the new by the way that's the that's the name of the video game i've been producing for iphones sonic assault sonic assault <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can't wait no, to play that yeah you're gonna as long as it. i don't have yeah, to pay you know. it, like is it, is it freemium no because what happens is if you want to listen to if you want to have <laughs> freemium yeah. if you want to be, yes that it is so um, I, I, think I was writing in my notes, at, like when I'm listening to this record, you can clearly see a delineation of, in my mind at least, you can clearly see a delineation of what alternative, finger quotes, music was going to be in the next couple of years. Like this album came alternative. out. Alternative. Alternative music. <laughs> you're, you're in ni- this album came out in 1990. Nirvana put out Nevermind in 1991. And then Nirvana got lumped in with the, grun- the grunge uh your you know, sound gardens, your Alice in Chains. Let's say sound gardens, Alice in Chains. Yeah. You know, you, you have this this more um, th- this sludgy classic rock leaning. It was metal stuff. 
more or less. Basically, slowed down a little bit, and then you have then you have Nirvana and 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 what happened. You know, it, it's ilk bands that were were never as big as that, but um, basically the first part of the '90s where rock and roll was. You can see that fork in the road. This album clearly was like the like the the start sign. Like, are you going to follow what this sounds like, which a lot of bands did, or are you going to go? Are you going to follow what Led Zeppelin was? Are you going to go down the Pearl Jam? Yeah, you're going to be dinosaur rock, or are you going to be? Like, or are you going to go down dinosaur junior? Or, yeah. or alternately, uh, Iggy Pop was a huge influence on a lot of the grunge bands, like Mud Honey in particular right, was well, like that that other way that it was going. But, but I, that's what I'm saying. But Mud Honey is a great example. I mean, you have the Meldons, and you have all these. You know, there are a lot of other uh, of other. That's what I'm saying. Like, but this this album sort of to me. I just imagine in my mind like uh, there's like a like a forked road, and at the at the end of, of of one of those forks is like a big flashing sign, like Sonic Youth, Sonic <laughs> Youth. Are you going to come this way? And that's the noisier, more mm. interesting path. And like you don't think that I like, I mean, like you're you guys love to just pile up on me about like pop music and lyrics, which I mean is true to some degree, but I definitely I don't have an issue with with noise. Uh, just in and of itself, I just have an issue with shitty songs, and I happen to think this song is a shitty uh, song. Until it gets noisier. Person. Until it gets noisier. By what the way, does it, does anybody ever think, like, what does Kim Gordon sound like on Christmas morning? <laughs> oh, thanks. This is... This present is really terrific. This is really great. <laughs> right. That's like, well, that's her, kind of her whole gig, is that sort of, like, sleepy... Like, she's like, she's a... Kind of like sultry, disaffected, disaffected. Like, like, uh, like uh, the word. oh yeah. yeah, yeah, like sort of like uh, like legacy to the era of Nico, and and partially because she really can't sing. I mean, she really yeah. can't. She, no, she can barely, barely sing. Attempt. Never, yeah. ever, 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 ever compare Kim Gordon to Nico. Nico is the most useless person in an amazing <laughs> band ever. Like, do, was she the best of uh, Velvet Underground? Was she the what? The Bez, right? Knows who Bez oh, the Bez. Is. No, 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 Bez. Bez, Bez from, oh, Happy from Happy Mondays. He, yeah. he, who he didn't really shook. do much anything. Well, no, Bez, he danced, didn't, even, Bez didn't sing or anything. You know, no, I guess he, yeah, he would shake maracas. But, but by the way, <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you guys this real quick since you brought up Bez. So Happy Mondays has a new puma. puma. Hey, they have a new pumertation. <laughs> puma, puberty humor? I don't yeah. even know what Did you see the puma anymore. on that chick? I just, it's like you put a guy in a... Uh, Close down bar, you give him 17 beers and he can't talk anymore. Hey, there's heat in here. I'm just, I'm just going to go lay on the stairs. Um, no, there's a new uh, there's a new Happy Mondays been put together. And the only two original members uh, that I know of are Sean Ryder, the singer, and, and Bez. Bez, who did nothing but Oh, my God, to that's around. great. I totally want yeah, to. Have to I hope they're here for South Park. Uh, I'd love that if that happened. <laughs> hey, guys, we are going on way too long, which is great. We've got to get to the intermission. It's time to, to hit an intermission, and it's my pick this week, and we'll talk about it in a second. So, hey, Mark, let's do a few minutes with. I have that right Are we now. on? We were just chatting about, about this song. So today... Uh, Did he point at you with his eyes? No, he, I just pointed at the keyboard with his fingers. Wait, we are on? No, we're, we're fact, on. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we... Um, 
So today, for, for a few minutes with, um, I picked uh, a song by the band Land of Talk. They're a Canadian band, or were a Canadian band, um, on Saddle Creek here in the States. Bright Eyes is... Of Nebraska? From Nebraska. What's that? What'd you say? They immigrated. They immigrated? They, they immigrated. Yeah. Um, like everyone from Canada does eventually. Yes. Well, at least they put their music well, Canada's out. our largest state. Yeah. <laughs> Canada, America's hat. Yes, America's hat. <laughs> what was... Oh, never mind. Anyway, Land of Talk. Anyways, Land of Talk, and the name of the song is Corey Hems. And, uh... Corey, Corey Hames. Yes. No, Mark is on fire tonight. I don't know why you don't have a fucking mic. Seriously. <laughs> um, Maybe that's why. <laughs> so, uh, and not literally on fire. I don't mean like he's... He's not like Richard Pryor over Somebody here. put him I mean, out. He's like, a, he's like a Tibetan monk. That's... I don't know. So anyway, so... Tibetan? He's a Tibetan monk. Sorry, and I hate to uh, interrupt the Discordia, but can I, can I, can I at least say... I love this record, and I love this band, and I, I'm so happy that you picked this, except for the fact that tip, like somewhere down the line, I would we would have just done this whole album, and uh, <laughs> you and I didn't know that each of us knew this record, and like this is this song is great, and it wasn't the single off this album, and I think it's a really uh, cool one that you picked. I can't stop listening to it since I got turned on to them. Um, this is such a Shane song to love. Oh, it's a it's very neat. I was so. Did you like this song, Ryan? Oh, I love it. I knew that. I knew that you would. And I, the thing that was this. So the, the so we just watched this video, and then, so anyway, the name of the song is cool. We never got to this whole thing. It's Land of Talk. They're a Canadian band. This album came out uh, in um, in 2010, and the name of the song is um, is uh, Quarry Hymns. Um, and actually, it was it was I was on the way to a to a podcast at Mark's house a few weeks ago, and I heard it as background music, and I like sent myself a, like I couldn't. It was just in the background of a of an NPR show or the Q like the like the CBC show, mm-hmm. and I like had to like text myself. Oh, the one that like, Gian Gomeshi used to host. Oh before yeah, yeah, yeah. The scandal before the scandal, yeah. Um, and I anyway, so I got home and I like I did all the work and I found it and I like. I was already a little bit drunk from doing the show, and I listened to it, and then continued to listen to it probably till the sun came up. And the rest of the record is brilliant. Well, and it's it is one of those albums that you can kind of listen to on repeat for a while, especially if you are if you connect with this record. Like it's sort of hard not to connect with it all the way. Anyway, again, yeah, like I think I think it's a fine choice. It, it's 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 a good example of a lot of the cool stuff that was coming out of Toronto in the early Montreal. Tonight. Oh These well, I'm saying, Montreal. but it sounds like a lot of the Toronto. Like if you, sure. like we were talking during the break when we were watching the video, we were talking about Emily Haynes. How she well, sounds. no, I was trying to figure out like, like who does this remind me of? Like her voice sounds really familiar, and it, you were right, it was Emily did, Haynes from. Metric, did you actually say what the name of the song and band was here? Yeah, I, we, I just said it. Yeah, Corey Hymns by Land of Talk. Okay, yeah. just making yeah. sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know uh, we didn't. I kept talking. We were all so excited about it, but yeah, that, and I'll say it again. It's. Name of the song is Corey Hems, and the name of the band is Land of Talk. So, it, but it's you're right. But there was a lot of really interesting music coming out of Canada in the in the first part of the two thousand like two thousand three, two thousand four through probably you know twenty twelve. It was the in my opinion, it's the, it was the most exciting place in the world for like melodic independent music. I mean, just really a lot of cool stuff coming out of Canada. Um, at that time anyway so we uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in in the song like it's just a basic rock band setup but it's just like lush but she has that ingenue voice which you know right and and, is always gonna slay me 
Yeah, but and, and which yeah, I mean that's the first thing that you notice about the song. One of the cool things about like the the drums and the bass stay the same throughout the song, um, pretty much at least in the verse and the chorus. And there's like this chiming guitars and and uh, and the thing that really kills it is when they they triple track the vocals in the in the chorus to make it to take it up. Instead of the drums getting louder, instead of the cymbals getting louder and the snares getting louder, the only thing they do to differentiate it sonically um, is to is to add more tracks to the vocals. Like um, she's singing the same thing; it's just it's just tracked over and over again to add that illusion of dynamics. But really, there's no dynamic change. Well, and one thing that I think is kind of an interesting counterpoint that you bring up is like typically when you talk about when Shane has talked about double tracking and triple tracking on the vocal side in podcasts past, it's usually to cover something up. But in this particular case, it seems to be to draw out or accentuate that particular part of the song. Right. Well, you. I mean, like we're all familiar with that stuff and where you um, like Elliot Smith did it a lot. Um, in fact, co- almost constantly, um, where he would sing a line and then sing the same line on a different track, and then you put them together, and th- even though they're incredibly like close, incredibly similar things that 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 person is singing, the differences, which are so minute, give the impression of largeness. And they've scientifically proven to destroy your soul while you're listening to them in a beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> God, tearing a, you not, apart into pieces sort of if, way. If, if listening to Elliot Smith is destroying my soul, then <laughs> then you don't want to have a soul no more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Hey, you just came up with the country. Hey, you know what? Why don't we let people listen to this song? Like, I know Chain is always a big lyrics guy. So Chain lyrically, are you calling me Chain? Because that's Ch- what it sounds like. <laughs> Chain, Chain is always a big lyric. Anyway, that's, that's that was his weird alter ego when he used to uh, uh, perform back in the day. Or yeah, I'm the boy. I want the kids like to call me karaoke. Chain. When, yeah. he, when he was the okay, mom on Modern Family, everybody knows Chain very like a except uh, Chain from uh, Cuba. Anyway, the point being, you uh, you have always been a lyrics dude. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot to digest here. What did you, what did you, how did you uh, digest that? There's nothing to digest. It's like a beautiful pile of nonsense. I'm going to read some of the lyrics. What you call it? Delicious nonsense? Delicious nonsense. It's a beautiful pile of delicious nonsense. I'm going to read these lyrics. And then I want to talk about this video because I want to get you guys' take on, on what's going on. And by the way, you guys, it's on YouTube. Um, again, Land of Talk, uh, Corey Hems. 
And um, you can go not Corey Hames. Quarry as like a rock quarry. Quarry as in where you dig up rocks. Yes. yes, and then hymns like you would one would find a church. Yeah, where like, you would sing about sad rocks, right? Yes. <laughs> In so okay, so here, so here are the lyrics. Um, I'm going to read you the lyrics from the first verse. <laughs> Leaving on the hottest day to sink this quarry under, with the motor on the private ring, lion quell your kingdom. Wrote it on the stolen heart. I couldn't keep the words in you. You had to learn about the hardest things. A softer side I'll leave you. And on days like these, I could take apart my window. So let down. I was so let down. So how deep is this hole I'm filling in? Sing our lights out. Down the quarry down. So in this, <laughs> so in this video, um, it's, it's the essentially, the, I mean, well, not essentially. There are. <laughs> Don't be such a fashion nugget. Uh, sure. You want me to wait? You want me to park this car for a minute? Um, so <laughs> we're, we're Chris I will I, pull over. I will pull over. Beep, Chris beep, and I are talking beep. to the back of the bus. <laughs> just, just go ahead and, you know. So just done. me and Shane is lame all the time. No, Shane, <laughs> Shane you know what? Here, so here's Shane's a fine student. Uh, Shane, uh, please. <laughs> Oh, oh, thanks. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't. Sorry. I didn't know what. You have the floor now, dog. You, you I, right. For the record, I did bring enough gum for the entire class. So, thank you, sir. Okay. Um, I'm going to take off uh, your name off the board now. <laughs> um, no, I, you guys just watch this. So there are two people. There's a. There's a. It, it's. It's essentially a, a, a woman um, in ballet flats and in like a lot of flowy clothing, dancing, um, doing ballet. She's. She's. She's a ballerina dancing, and there's a one woman director is sitting in the audience in big black glasses uh, directing her, and that's it. And then it gets, and then the woman cuts herself on a teacup, and there's there's a key motif involved. Um, anybody pay attention to this? Um, well, no, there was there was a it was, lot. It was of, all in black and white, and you know it was that shit pretty just and, and, and No, well, and I will say that like so, I did miss some of the nuance. I uh, I saw there was clearly lots of ballet dancing going on. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I told you guys we were going to fucking talk about this well, when we went back but, in. I'm no, not even lying it's here. Too, it's but literally three minutes and twenty four seconds long, and you can't pay attention for that. God, well, you've seen it many it. times, and well, we just seen it no, once. No, no, tonight. Is the first time I watched the video. I just knew I, tonight before. This is the second time I've seen and it. And not much actually happens during it. Come on now. Well, I mean, it's you described it. That's but there's it. subtext going on, but that I think. But now it's it's not, it's honestly, unimportant. Because yes, Shane. It's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind of Music. Honestly, okay. here's, here's <laughs> it's not that. Kind what, of what I can tell you is here's why I missed it. Part of it is because it's. You know, clearly Monday at a uh, past happy hour. I mean, come on. But beyond that, uh, <laughs> but beyond that, uh, but it's because I have fallen in love with that song. I know. And I know that so song so well that I didn't pay as much attention to the video as I typically would well, have. You're just listening to be like a, a, a through yeah. narrative going on in the video. I think, just, I think that there is, but we'll talk about it later. It's not, it's not like that big of a deal. I just, I had some shit that I was going to bounce off you guys, but it's really. Well, wait, what is it? It seemed to me that the ballerina was in the whole the key motif. No, you let it finish, bitch. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It seemed to me that the fucking the woman that was dancing the the. You want to quit laughing at me, or do you, do you really want to hear carry this? On, carry on. I, I do want to hear. I started the pile on Shane. I'm sorry. No, you pile on me all the okay. goddamn night. I don't care. But I just want to know if you want to hear this. I, or I not. do want to hear it. Okay, so uh, because I don't care. Um, he cares. Yes, we're wrapping it, and I really don't care. He cares. Uh, I really don't. 
Uh, it seems to me the key seemed like you know what? I just, no, I want to hear it. I really do want to hear it. It seemed to me that those are two sides, like a like a like an ego and an id kind of thing. And the key, like the the woman, the straight laced woman who's the director, that person dancing on stage is like her inner who she wants to be. And the key that she had, that the fact that there were keys, is like she won't let herself use the key and become that person. But you don't know this because you didn't watch the goddamn videos. What, was so. it? Do you think it's an id thing? I guess I do, but yeah. I don't know. I was curious to see. It sounds like more like super ego versus ego. Than yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. From how you're describing it, sure. Anyway. Yeah, no, in the I, macro sense, chain. Before we get out of this and go back into Google, one of the things I would like to say is like, I think it's a crying shame. Like, I think this like. In terms of the the song structure and the way that these guys put together records, like even though they weren't together that long, like I think it's a shame that there's not that these guys didn't stay together because I think that they made great music. I can't song. believe I like, never heard of them before. Like this, it's like wait, like, how old is this? Not this is five long. years old. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're broken up. That, ma- that, that actually makes sense because when I'm listening to this, I'm like, there's a lot of bands that have this sound that have come out in the last couple of years. So when you played it for me, I was thinking this is brand new. I was like, I'm not that impressed because a lot of people sound like this now. But knowing it's five years old, I'm like, okay. Well, it sounds like they kind of maybe were one of the, the people starting this thing. Yeah, it's just a pretty song. And the guitars are beautiful on this. That's the yeah, main thing that struck me is a real ringing sound the guitars that I really liked. The chime? Yeah. Chiming guitars. Chiming. Chiming. Yeah, you know all about those. All right, let's get, Mark, we belabor the point. Let's let's go back in. We'll see you guys in a sec. I, uh, I'm glad that you guys all enjoyed watching that with me in the intermission there. So, um, Meh. my life has been enhanced. I think you enjoy. No, no, I really do like that song. Me. It More is fun. Uh, I, I won't lie. Ganging up. You know, I think it it kind of rotates because, like last week, we were like totally all over Kevin. Well, and, you know, like you finally got fed up. You finally like reached the point where you're like, you can say dad all you want because we're always like dad. Humor, I don't dad, snap humor. that off. And you were like, show, you can but, say like, dad humor all you want. And I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, and that's the, part of the dad rule is that you acknowledge that there are some jokes that you say for fun and there's some things that you say specifically for the groan. And like, I'm okay with the groan. The well, groan is a, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I think right the groan is, yeah, yeah. is endemic to dad humor. Yeah, that's it what is. I was going to yeah. say. You right. kind of just encapsulated what dad like humor that's was. That's the definition of dad humor. It's like, ah, oh, Christ. It is. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're gonna, Change your I'm, socks. I've appreciated listening to this record, and we'll listen to another clip again um, on our way out. What, what do we say? Dirty boots? Dirty boots. So, um, but before we get there, there's just a couple things I want to say. Um, this album, for me... Um, gets better and better toward the back end. The back end of this record, I think, is far superior to the to to the first part of this, which is counter to what we've seen with almost is, every other record right, that we've listened the, to. That's what I was going to say. Well, it's like what's the your What's your favorite song off Disappear. this album? Disappear. Okay, yeah, like, that was one of their far, three. Si- that was one of their three singles. Yeah, off this too. I didn't. I just saw that. I just noticed that. Like when I was so, <clears throat> when I was a, uh, I don't know, twenty, right around the time that we met when. Um, I, uh, one morning... We met I, in what, 1993? Yeah. 1992, maybe? It was the Eilers' house, but yeah. uh, nobody's interested, Ryan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, like... I'm wait, not even interested. How old are you, Ryan? 
42. Uh, uh, See, old you enough. look like the new cast member on Saturday Night Live that nobody's taken seriously yet. <laughs> you're I'm not so sure how yo- to take that. You're so young looking. You look like you're in your early um, 20s. That's that's a thing that I hear pretty much every day of my life, by the way. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, and he knows it, too. Like He's like, yeah, yeah what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do about it, ladies? Uh, so uh, There's much gray in this here beard, that's all I'll say. So, well, it's dark in here. Yeah. So. I, uh, when I was, uh, I was, I briefly, uh, I don't know what I can say because you're always like, don't say too much because my mom might be listening in. So anyway, so let's just say br- I briefly sold ecstasy when I was in college and, um, and, uh, that's the, a true thing. And then, and well, the, you're just jumping right off the, you know, you're like, screw it. Let's go all the yeah, way. I know. I don't, what and is, I drank human blood. Chris, <laughs> God damn it, dude! There's some giving away all his secrets. Yeah, yeah. There's some secrets. Can there. I just point out that Chris is wearing a Sonic Youth shirt? I am. I'm actually is wearing a purpose? Sonic Youth shirt. Wow! While we're doing really? the Sonic no, Youth No, it was an accident. I thought it would be pretty amazing if you had just like what this whole thing. You know the thing about the Sonic Youth shirt is I don't even know this band, dude. Thurston gave it to me. <laughs> no, he did not. So, Although if I had talked to him any longer, he probably would have offered. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was, um, I had, uh, anyway, so the guy that was deal that was dealing me the extra deal for him, um, one night we were on some drug, I don't know what it was, um, I'll let you guys guess, and, um, he was like, you know, my bloody Valentine, they took what Sonic Youth made and made it beautiful, and I was like, yeah, but I had never heard a Sonic Youth song before, I was like, that sounds perfect! That's the most amazing thing you ever could have told me, and um, and I, but it does kind of make sense. And then I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. Nah, later I'd listen to it. It doesn't make sense. Well, at all. I do think maybe uh, Sonic Youth is sort of like a, a dirty My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, it's, right. So I, like it didn't make any sense to me for a long time with better drums. Well, so, you know, I mean, I like My B- Bloody Valentine, but it's really kind of Sonic Youth if you like ran like a pre- that, it through a press. That's and what I'm flattened saying. Flattened it out. You know? that, was, that was sort of... It doesn't whole, have rough edges. Or it could be like Sonic Youth if you changed studios 19 times. I, yeah, I, and left your so. master tapes out in the sun. To I always thought like, yeah. My Bloody Valentine's yeah. more like Jesus and Mary Chain if uh, they added 10 times as much fuzz. Yeah, that, makes, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. G- Chris, good one. I knew you were coming in here for a reason. <laughs> And you finally, one it. hour and eight minutes in. I've actually said something you, you agree with? said something that finally <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I think so, I'm actually going to go see the Psycho Candy tour. I want to see that. Oh, are they back together again? Yeah. When they're going the and touring with Psycho Can- Candy, just doing that whole album. Man. Yeah. You know what uh, ride's going to be here in a couple months? These are things we should see. Yes, that's true. Uh, however, we were going to listen to another clip. We were, yes. but before we do this, so I have one more small thing, and... I, look, Mark, Mark is putting his head in his hands and <laughs> and, and shaking his head. What, this is a very like, short thing that I want to say Mark like about a, this. Like a rock pillow. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, Thurston Moore is a huge Joni Mitchell fan and um, tuned a lot of a lot of the alternate tunings which they were famous for. He learned from trying to learn Joni Mitchell songs. Which makes zero sense. Yeah, to me. It's, well, it's about, it makes about as much sense as them being into the Carpenters. Yeah, their influences are baffling. I've never understood where how they got their sound from the bands they always credit as who they love. I'm like, really? Where did that? Never mind. Yeah, I don't but that know. sounds to me like it's also a little bit of like cool kidism. Like it's like, oh, well, we like all of these bands that you don't think that we would like. <laughs> 
because you were just you that avant-garde. Yes, we're, I mean, yeah, I maybe, yeah. I mean, that's certainly very hypothetical. It was, sure. <laughs> yes. Again, well, I mean, that, that seemed really, it's really certainly not scientific. Nothing <laughs> gimmick to the '90s, but it seems like again they were progenitors of of the, the anti-hipsterism. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, that makes what sense. was it? Uh, I brought years and years. Well, years ago. When Ryan and I used to room together, I brought home uh, the Hipster Handbook. Hipster Handbook. Ah, and, and, and I was like, hey, Ryan, listen to this. And I read him a passage, and he was like, well, I've never really considered myself a joiner. And I was like, done. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. I just remember that book for I think they were trying to coin a new hipster term, which was deck. Yeah. That was, <laughs> well, they use it all throughout the book, it and it's, it doesn't exist. It's no, not a it thing. it doesn't exist. But I would say, like. But they were just trying to see if it'd catch on. Sonic yeah. probably did the, mo- the least sensible, most hipster thing to do ever by saying, hey, we're getting really popular. Kids start to like us. Fuck! We need to start doing more noisy, unlistenable shit now, and put out stuff like a thousand leaves. And you're yeah, like, you gotta why would you go from goo and dirty to and, and washing machine to like like oh we we're, we're getting a lot of success? Fuck those people. Well, but but again, like <laughs> they, so if it was a five record deal, how many records into that deal was that? Like I don't know. That may have been. I, I think that was well past that actually. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think they respected the Geffen deal and were like, okay, we'll give you your pop records. Now we but then we're going to go whatever. back and do noise. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip real quick, and and we'll get we'll get out of Sonic. Mark's going to have a heart attack if we don't do this. So let's <laughs> let's go listen to. Uh, Dirty Boots, and we'll come back and and, and, uh, talk a little bit more about Sonic Youth. Do it. this track is this is the second pop hit off this album of which they're really only two straightforward pop hits and this is definitely not as uh obviously wearing it on his sleeve we want to be on 120 minutes a pop hit as as cool thing is but the thing i always want to point out about about dirty boots is steve shelley the drummer of this band is so great on this song he's got this rhythm that's just so infectious and the deal is is like he bought a whole new drum kit for this album because jay mascus from dinosaur was like when they were going to a bigger production studio they were doing a bigger everything he's like you're going to want to up your sound significantly to keep up with that and convinced him to buy this huge kit and this album you can really hear it and this song you really hear it and i think the heart of this song is shelly's drum beat well, that that and the the shakers, the percussion. And didn't really cool. they do? They did a certain amount of experimenting along the way, like like you're talking about with the bigger drum kit. They also put him in a drum booth, yep, which hadn't nece- they hadn't necessarily done before. So they were able to isolate that sound in some pretty interesting ways. 
Chris, um, yes, I'm really glad that you yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, what what is that now? Like, that's just what 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 voice? He's like so, a random Muppet Sesame Street. I, character. I just do Muppet characters apparently. Uh, yeah, uh, we we should like what is it Avenue Q or something? Like we should just have him star in his own like one man. Well, like, you know the thing about Sonic Youth is. <laughs> and by the w- and also by the way, I'm not going to give you any more whiskey next time you do this show. So. <clears throat> I'm not coming without whiskey. Oh well, then I'll give you more whiskey. That's what I said. To <laughs> All right, her. problem solved. So, all right. Hey, uh, I really appreciate the fact that you you let us uh, or gave us the idea to listen to this album because again, we, we haven't done enough indie rock. And um, well, no, and, and the the record that I thought we were going to be doing, which we will be doing next week, which is Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. <laughs> it was a nice counterbalance. To yeah, that. I called. So I've been yeah. listening to both. I called Ryan the other night. I was driving back to Austin. And I was really bored and called him. We talked for a little while and. He's like, so which album are we doing? And I was like, oh, we're going to be doing good because Chris is actually going to be making it this week. And he's like, well, I've been listening to both. And guess which one I like more? And I was like, <laughs> the one that's not Bob Dylan. <laughs> and he, uh, can, yeah. can I throw out a suggestion for for you guys for a future indie rock show? Though I know I don't know how from I know y'all like oh, to just pick come albums. On, just take over. I know I know how to, uh, <laughs> no no no. We'll, we're, we'll go I, ahead uh, and ask. We're getting it's, notes from the network. No, it's because right I'm actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean it like that. Preach. I don't mean it like that. I mean it in the sense that I'm actually a fan. <laughs> of y'all's show oh, and i enjoy i enjoy hearing what y'all do on here i always have a fun time with it and i love the concept that you're taking albums maybe you're not hyper familiar with i don't know whether or not you are but i was gonna throw out dinosaur juniors you're living all over me as a oh. as an album that was like you know, a I seminal we should do rock at least album. a Gi- dinosaur junior record i don't know if it's that one that's like, a, that's uh, the defining dinosaur junior album though that's like the what? one that made them enormous let's make this easy for everybody let's just say you come back on the show and yeah, we'll just do it then. And we'll do it then. And I kind of like the idea that maybe it just made Jay Mascus enormous, so like now he's like 25 feet tall. Right? So, <laughs> see, he's a kaiju yeah. Yes, at exactly. this point. Yeah. Sure. Oh, the, next God, the next Godzilla movie, he's going to be fighting Jay Mascus. It's a, it's a movie title. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a... a yeah, we've got a got a new clip. Yeah, that, we've got a new uh, clip that Kevin has refused to tell us, but... So I have gonna, no idea what this we're is. Gonna, we're going to watch yeah, a video for The Current Affair and... Uh, and we'll be back in it's, a second. It's, it's uh, super different. Okay. You're masquerade. I don't want to be a part of your parade. Everyone deserves a chance to walk with everyone else. So, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen A Handsome Family, but that was A Handsome Family who uh, sang a song that, uh, or put together a song that was featured, or at the very least... Was Family t- of the Year. Uh, also... Yeah, Handsome Family, a little country, or... Here's the thing. Or, Last night was the Oscars. 
And uh, there was one of the things that came across my uh, purview today was Chris's take on uh, the people in Austin who were a little bit fussy that uh, <laughs> that boyhood did not do better. And uh, frankly, because they featured the uh, sketchy uh, liquor store at the front of my neighborhood, I kind of thought that you that can like walk be. to from your house. Uh, I know. I was is like prominently featured in that it's movie. It's prominently featured in that movie. Austin turned into a much meaner Kanye West today. Uh, I know. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but the point being is that. Um, is that uh, the scuttlebutt that I heard about this song, and part of the reason that I chose it, even though it's not uh, per uh, per Shane's request, as current as, as current like. as some of the things that we would like to put out there, uh, I you know even if this even if this breaks ten days from the time that we're recording it right now, which is immediately after the Oscars, uh, it struck me as kind of an interesting cultural touch point. And worth, at the very least, talking about for a couple of minutes. And uh, anyway, the, I guess the rumor was that somebody who was on the crew or who was connected to Linklater heard this song on KGSR, which is a local sort of Americana station for anybody who's not listening here in Austin. And uh, and it became sort of the, you know, sort of zeitgeist of that movie. Yeah, I, I'm going to say right off, I really like this song a lot. I do, too. I, I, yeah, I it, dug it, too. And I think Shane kind of scowled while we were watching the video, and I'm not sure why. It, it, it felt like Sufjan Stevens with a country twang. Mm. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, it was, it was good so indie pop, like maybe a little right clean, uh, but Shane was just like, well, not feeling it. It was a w- It's a well-written song. It's got a good hook. I'm glad that I had to, l- to watch a Chevy commercial for three minutes. Um, and, uh, and also, like, it's nice to know that Mumford & Sons have gone in a direction that's even more boring than the direction that they previously had headed in. Um, at least they're, but at least I don't have to hear any more haze or banjos. Uh, what is wrong with the banjo? All of you know Steve no, no, no. Martin plays the banjo. There's nothing wrong with the banjo and well, at all. Well, yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with the banjo, just like there's nothing wrong with the acoustic guitar, nothing wrong with a well-placed hey. It's just when you put that stuff in there in such a calculated form format as, uh, let's see, uh, Monsters and Men. Well, they didn't do the banjo stuff, but... Lumineers. I'm tra- Lumineers or Mumford & Sons. All the hay bands from a few years ago. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Sharp Heroes. And the, yeah, Magnetic yeah, just, Heroes. Uh, just fucking... Uh, so I'm guessing... Uh, not unlistenable. It? You loved it? Well, okay, so having said that... And I'll stand by what I said before. Uh, I'd love to hear that song as done by somebody else than that. Like that that song. To it's me, a little extra clean production. Uh, it's not the clean product. The guitar sounded amazing on it. What it sounds like to me is somebody said, "You know what I'm going to do? I want to write a song for a Chevrolet commercial to be shown in the Heartland during the Super Bowl." Here's the song. I think. It, I mean, the name of the song is "Fucking Hero." What? I mean, like, thug, like when you have what? like superlatives. I obviously like it a lot more than you do. However, I do think it would. Well, you're it, wrong. it seems like it was designed to be played over a montage at somebody's rehearsal dinner. Yeah, with the <laughs> fucking with the shit with the with the with the with the, with the um with the like that's what, what what's homeboy's name that um that uh, has had 
God damn it. He's got a... He's, Oh, I'm gonna have to look, look this up right now. Robert Goulet, if you didn't tear up yes, when Green good. Day was yeah. playing well, the Seinfeld exactly time of your life, like that's the other <laughs> right, one. Yeah, that no, that's a perfect example. That is a time. Granted, that song kicks the shit out of and hits in the eyes with baseball bats. Uh, time of your life, but they're very similar songs. <laughs> the eyes with baseball bats. All right. The hook is a monster hook. I just don't want to listen to it. Like it's <laughs> well, and, and yeah, certainly everybody's entitled. So to their cynical. <laughs> yeah, it's not cynical. Like, it's fucking taste. I mean, you can have a different. I can have different taste than you. I mean, like there's. I'm, I'm sure as shit that there are things that I find uh, uh, moving and touching that you would roll your eyes and say, "Though this rote sentimentality." I don't know, I mean, man. This sounds like Shane Gate, 2015. I don't. I'm I, well, whatever you want to think, whatever you want right? to say. Am I just I watched a Chevrolet yes. commercial. <laughs> and by the way, Typically outside the, of the parameters, the show, this is, this is little, the point uh, that I was going to make yeah, about this. Up. Beer. Uh, specifically yeah. about their like their take on the video, and one of the things I think that's interesting. About well, in the video is is just rodeo well, centric. Well, and the right, song, but does, the, but here here's yeah. like to that point. One of the things that we typically require of this particular segment is that we talk through not only the song, but like whatever the video is. And typically, if they're recent releases, like there is a video that's tied into that. And so in this case, like that, that song has been put out there in conjunction with a very well publicized film. And boyhood. Uh, right. And boyhood. And seems to be uh, and feels congruent. When put out there in short snippets in uh, in an Oscar scenario or whatever, but beyond that, one of the things I thought was really interesting was when, you, when I had never watched the video before a couple of days ago, and then seeing the way that they drilled down into the act, like the thing about the thing about rodeo guys, and I don't know a lot, but I did. Do you uh, know any? I know some. I, I, used I don't. To, I, 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 I don't. spent yeah. I spent a few years. I, like I dated a girl that lived in Stephenville, which is where oh, a lot right. of those you guys. To, you went to Texas Tech. We went to Texas Tech out in the right, in the hinterlands of and so so the, <laughs> the point being is like and and by the way, one day if I have not already told it in this podcast, one day I will tell the story about the best and worst Fourth of July celebration I've ever seen, and that happened in Stephenville, Texas, and it was amazing. But still, anyway, like a lot of these guys, like a lot of the rodeo pros, live out in that part of Texas, and they're little teeny tiny wiry guys, and it's a brutal sport, and they're and they're and it's sort of difficult physically. And so, anyway, <laughs> even didn't you say this guy's from Odessa, the singer? Yeah. Like that's what the guy said, in Rodeo Central. Yeah, he he was he grew up or was born in Odessa or whatever. Like there's there is an Odessa reference to this this fella from the thing fella feller yeah feller. Um, can I, Mark's looking up? He's fact checking you right now. Can I? I just I went on. I was able to figure out like what I wanted to reference earlier. And when you were saying like this, having said whatever you said, like the song sounds like it's the it's the. Release doves part of the rehearsal dinner or whatever could be um, yeah like well no it seems like it would it would play it, over a montage will, of like uh, how the couple met that doesn't mean I'm it's the, a bad song though right? I, no it's not trying to right, say that well okay yeah. but this is my this is what I want to say this is the example that I want to say but this song makes me feel like the song you are the best thing by Ray Lamontagne like that song is as trite <laughs> and as rote and as boring 
and is overused at every single wedding. How do you work up the vitriol in like five? And there's no vitriol and passionate about it. I don't. I <laughs> are you talking about this? It's, it's kind of impressive, actually. <laughs> no, like, man. Like it's he, like the, he heard it once, and he's got like a whole. You know, you know what's happening? Like, packed it, ready to go. Shit. No, because the more that you guys fuck with me, the more that I'm like, yeah, I hate this fucking song, goddammit. and I'm gonna prove it to you why. Uh, okay. Not really, not really. I will point uh, out that Shane's like messed his hair up to where he kind of looks like Ian Rubbish now. <laughs> what, is, what is Ian Rubbish? <laughs> oh, that was the Fred Armisen. Uh, I was doing. Uh, oh my punk god! Rock character from SNL. Oh who, my god! You're who, so right. Like was yeah, super punk rock. Except he really loved Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> All right, so you're the young guy from Saturday Night Live. You're Ian Rubbish, and uh, you're uh, Seth MacFarlane's brother, Kevin. Uh, so uh, hardly, yeah. But still, just well, saying. he's my brother, and I don't he's, think- I'll tell you this: <laughs> I, I, I've, I've watched Family Guy, and I've spent a lot of time with Kevin, and Kevin is far funnier, in my opinion, than, than Seth, Seth MacFarlane. Say, Not a kids, fan. We should yeah, probably wrap this enough. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't hate the song. Look, I said what I had to say, but I will compare it to all the stuff that I did. Is I, I mean, it's a, it's a. It, you're right. Like it's maybe it's the cleanness of it, and maybe it's the Chevrolet commercial video that we just watched. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was like a rock man. Where, it, where it, it may, not, it's worth mentioning. I didn't see any cars. Yeah, so, true. Like, it like maybe the, wasn't the most appealing to me video. I'll hand you that. It did that. have kind of a gauzy, family-friendly feel but to it. But the though. fact is, the guy's from Odessa. This is probably shit he grew up seeing all the time. Whatever, you know. I'm from. I, don't know. I grew up around rampant racists, and like you know, like I'm not. I don't need to include that. And I'm not sure some that's up, uh, appropriate. Kids, Shane liked it less than the rest. <laughs> of us. Okay, I didn't at, like at, it that much less. than At the, rest the very of you. least, I thought like. So uh, we didn't go all the way through this, but one quick note was that Chris posted something to Facebook. Like, so you and I haven't been Facebook friends for very long, but one of the things like that, a week, yes. <laughs> and so I've been I've been counting the days. <laughs> and so one of the, one of the things that Chris posted today was like, "Hey, by the way, all of you local people who are moaning about Boyhood not winning uh, like the Best Picture." Deal with it. Like, essentially, that was the gist of the post, yes? Yeah. Ba- yeah. Basically, it was like, you know... Without going down the rabbit Stop hole. being a hater on the films yeah. that Just did win, the it. film that did win Birdman because the film too. you wanted to win. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. So, so anyway, like... But I did think it was interesting, like, in the context of, you know... the Hollywood is funny with superlatives, and especially at this time of year, and especially given the types of films that actually even make it to this point... To be considered for that kind of stuff. And so, anyway, I just thought that this song was... It was an interesting cultural touch point. I'm giving more shit to the song than... than I, I'm doing. I'm just ganging up on you because you came to me. I'm leather at this point. I, but, can, so, I can but, take uh, it. But, but I do, I do want to say, say one thing. Like you, you were saying, like, stop ganging up on the movies that did win because they're good movies. And then I just had this idea, like... Well, you know what would... Be, like, say, like, it were Boyhood that was up against... Like a ra- a random episode of Two and a Half Men, <laughs> and just like that somehow happened. What if Chuck Woolery <laughs> was then, in and, the last segment right, of Boyhood? A random, a random episode of the Dating Game uh, happened, and, and that one won. Now then, you you have a beef. you have a real point. You have a genuine <laughs> grievance to air. <laughs> no, two good movies like faced off, and one of them got the top prize. The other one didn't. Yeah, oh. Right. I mean, if it's just like some random, like the girls next door, like I'm the sure thing that Rick Linklater has been very pleased with how his how, film yeah. has been received. Exactly. That's the point. It's like he made it to the Oscars. All attention is on yeah. Austin. This film that 
20 years ago would never have been nominated for Best Picture. Got nominated for Best Picture and is considered yeah, one of the major like contenders. The, you know, like, that's Dude. gravy. Like, yeah. In any case. That's the Golden Globe, kids, too. I mean, kids, yeah. what are we doing next week? Let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so next week, you know what we're doing next week. I we talked about it. it. It's your pick. It's Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. I think you love that, that album slightly more than, or slightly less, I mean, than I love. Well, I like uh, it more than an enema. Um, well, <laughs> wow! It'll be exciting too because nobody's Can't wait ever to talk about it. this. <laughs> Keep you guys no in suspense. No one has ever discussed the importance of blood on the tracks in the context of it stinks. Although I will, I will say this, I don't think it stinks. Uh, I just well, we'll we'll get into I, it. And I haven't even started to listen to it yet, so yeah. I think that's great. But I also think well, not the not listening, just that I'm I'm looking forward to experiencing it. But also, I think that there's an opportunity for us to explore, like, um, I don't know, like, you guys hate the Coen brothers? There's a Llewellyn there's Davis. True. There's, there's uh, a real... Llewellyn Davis. Well, and I've already got uh, like, that through line. What did I just up and ready to go. Oh, Ryan and I don't like the Coen brothers. What? Yeah. Not yeah, Coen it's brothers a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. They're like uh, none of their films? Not even the yeah. big yeah, yeah, right? It has something to do with, like, with Mark Plater. Like something to do with Whiskey and You like, don't like the big Lebowski? Right. Yeah. There's funny moments. All right, I'm just saying right Chris, now. we'll come on your show and we'll talk about America, it. hashtag Shanegate 2015 yeah. is hey, all dude, I'm saying. the one that <laughs> no, man, I, think, I think my <laughs> hatred of that movie ruined a relationship. Uh, oh, my God. I don't hate the movie. I, I would have broken up with you over that but movie. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the most overrated movies in American cinema history. That's all right. That was really rude of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, dude. Why you be dick? Why you I'm, fucking get into anyway. our house? I know you're right. So I'm we sorry. are going. We are going on. But uh, let me be the first to say, Chris, thanks for coming on tonight, man. This was really fun. Thank you for having me here. I'd like to apologize for everyone here. I've insulted. Boy, it's like the Potfather over here. <laughs> the pot <laughs> I keep trying that, to get out, and they keep pulling me back Cephas in. Remark? <laughs> My boat, <laughs> Cephas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You finally got it. <laughs> the Potfather. We're gonna have the Potfather back soon, and the other Potfather and too. When we yeah, do, Brian's we've got to play him in with the Godfather music. I kind of. I like that. Oh, yeah. Mark, you may want to add that in post. Uh, Yes, Brian. I've talked to Brian already. He's interested in doing it. I'm a little scared to think what album he might pick, but I want to listen to that. I think we can roll with the punches. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. All right, kids. Let's get out. There's nothing we haven't already said to each other. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Guys, we're going to do Blood on the Tracks next week. We'll see you next week. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Chris. For producer Mark, I'm Kevin. Peace, yo.